0: Day, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard. You are listening to Ian Trotje. This is Discussions of Truth, Winwood Radio. What a lineup here today, and actually the rest of this month. Next week, we'll have a doubleheader. So if you feel inclined, please do go to Winwood Radio, your tab, open it up, listen live at 3 o'clock, starting at 3 o'clock as we will be hosting uh, a U.M. controversy. That's local to Miami, University of Miami controversy um, regarding censorship. And uh, we'll follow that up with um, Dr. Uh, Doctor Doctor Soon from the Harvard-Smithsonian, who will be talking about his view and his take on uh, climate change. Uh, he's got his Ph.D. from uh, USC. That'll be the 3 o'clock hour and a double letter. And in studio next wednesday at five o'clock uh i'll be bringing on uh, a dr uh dr otto Fangenblatt. and uh he's a uh, an ambassador uh not to venezuela but he will be addressing uh the uh, the venezuelan uh, the Ven- venezuelan conflict and crisis that uh does get quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of discussion now in the Trump campaign. Uh, he, he's he got quite the, uh, he's got a PhD. He's got a, a doctor of education. Um, he's elected a fellow of Royal Asiatic Society of Great Britain and Ireland. Academ- Academ- Academician of the Constantinian Academy of Arts, Letters and Sciences in Italy, Palermo. Academic. Academician of the Royal Academy of Doctors of Spain, the Royal Academy of Granada. He's a fellow of the Royal Economic Society of Madrid and uh, amongst some other things. Uh, but he, he's uh, very well accomplished academically, of course, and, uh, and, and politically. And he will be addressing again in studio uh, the uh, Venezuelan crisis. Dr. Wayhawk soon. Uh, that is that is uh, uh Dr. Soon's full name. Uh, the other the other item he will be discussing is uh the United Nations Agenda 21. Uh he receives a lot of his funding uh via uh various uh, foundations connected to the Koch brothers. Uh this segment today here, uh the main segment of the program will be occupied by five-time Emmy award winner John Barber. He'll be discussing the Garrison Tapes, uh, and uh, that, again, uh, goes into uh, the JFK assassination. The uh, Garrison Tapes and the documentary he did on the Garrison Tapes do uh, do go back uh, quite a way, so he will be discussing My Mother is Not a Virgin, which is his uh, his latest latest book. He's highly accomplished, perhaps better known for uh, producing Real People, which is, look, the guy's considered uh, a pioneer, if not the— the main godfather, if you will, or grandfather of uh, uh, reality television in L.A. Uh, by producing, uh, by producing uh, uh, real people. Uh, and to open up the program in just a, a, a moment here, we will be joined by Tanya Rashid. Uh, she's a staunch woman's rights advocate, uh, born in Saudi Arabia. She was confronted with a couple of different things uh, 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 upon arriving in the U.S. Uh, she went to UCLA and uh, earned a uh, minor. Standing is in it, masters from uh, the School of Journalism at Columbia. So she'll be joining us here momentarily. The uh, rest of the month, we will be uh, will be hosting uh, Dr. Young Chi, who is a uh, professor at Oxford. Uh, he teaches his classes in Korean. Uh and uh and then uh oh excuse me, that'll be opening up uh, opening up June. But the closing out this month, uh the closing out to close out the month, we'll have David Icke on the program. Uh Jeremy Hans will also be discussing uh nailing down a date, but he'll be discussing how a native tribe, uh I believe it's in Montana, uh has uh, really replenished and resurrected the depleting and diminishing uh Buffalo populations. So the Buffalo populations in Montana are, are, are on a rebound, thanks to Jeremy. Jeremy has joined us before. This will be the the second time that uh, Jeremy joins the program. You are tuned in Discussion of Truth. This is Winwood Radio, and uh, I am your host. You follow me on Ian Trotty. You follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. And that's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Stop mass media or impeach mass media. Either one of those takes you to the same webpage, but do go study that graph. Uh, do go study that graph and it, it, it basically it's, it, it, it displays and shows how 95 percent of American media is controlled by six different corporations impeach mass media I'll be right back we're gonna uh, give you a little bit of Metallica. I'll be right back with uh with uh, with Tanya uh, Tanya Rasheed
1: Just a smile and a hello. I try to make sure I just pass everyone and I say hello to them. You know, it's just us recognizing that we're all spirits. We're all trying to do the best we can in this world, right? And we're all trying to do the best. So, you know, send some love. We're all healers. We are all healers. And the best healer you'll ever know is yourself. So, you know, don't be afraid to go into some places You know go see jared he's gonna vibrate it out of you you know if you really stuck and you want to move into another place that place of serenity man go check out jared you know go check out there's a whole bunch bunch of different modalities out there there's so many for all the different types of people that there are and that's a beautiful thing so you know don't be shy and don't be too good and don't be worried about what people are going to think Just go out there and and get your healing. Get your healing on. Yeah, get it. Feel on. Me, this is Spirit and Beyond, man. We keep it real. You can find me on um, Twitter, but I don't post anything. But anyway, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> you know, I you know I, I, I laugh about Twitter probably every show. You know, I do have a little bit of a disdain for Twitter. It's a little yeah. bit too involved and like yeah, too much for me. But anyway, you know, I got it set up because that's what they said I could do.
0: <laughs> I am back. You've tuned into Wynwood Radio. Uh, we are an uh, independent uh, online station in uh, based in South Florida. I am your host of uh, the weekly edition of Discussion Truth. That's 5 o'clock Wednesdays coming at you, Ian Trottier. We have online with us today uh, an incredible guest who's a woman's rights adv- advocate born in Saudi Arabia. When she moved to the United States... Uh, at a young age, uh, Tiny Rashid uh, uh, found that she was she was confronted with something she wasn't quite expecting. So first off, faced with uh, 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 faced off with challenges in in her, in, her, in a country of origin uh, with uh, with women's rights, if you will, and then and then moving to Utah in in the United States, she was faced with uh, uh, another element of uh, majority of Caucasians. So she felt again uh, out play uh, out of place. Uh, not not this time. Not not gender based. Uh, perhaps uh, additionally too additional too. But 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 this time uh, ethnically based. Uh, Tanya, how are you? Thanks for joining the program.
2: I'm great. Thank you for having me.
0: So you um, you you've done some incredible work, and it takes it takes a lot of courage. Uh, from 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 everything I can see. Um, but but first off, first off, let's let's take it back to that kind of hey, whoa, okay, I'm I'm we're out of Saudi Arabia. Maybe speak for you and your family, but we're out of Saudi Arabia, and now we're in Utah. And you're confronted with the majority of Mormons, I'm consuming, and then also uh, you know majority of Caucasians. What was that like for you? Were you expecting it? What was it like for you?
2: I mean, you know, I think it kind of set me up for my career as a foreign correspondent, traveling to all those places and seeing, you know, people in these contrasting environments. In Saudi Arabia, it was witnessing my mother not being able to vote or to drive, or to even go to the grocery store without a male guardian and having to cover up all the time. Her lack of independence was scary to see. And then once we reached Utah, it was interesting because I think I was one of two Muslim girls in all of Salt Lake City during that time, during the 80s, and there was a lot of racism. So. You know, and I didn't speak English. And I, the way my mother and I learned English was by watching Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. So, you know, just, you know, just being very isol- one isolating part of the world to another. And uh, see, seeing inequality on that level really pushed me and I think propelled me into the line of work I do today. So those experiences were pivotal to my growth.
0: Now, why is it that you and your family chose Utah of all of all the of all the, the, the states in the in the union?
2: My father received a, a scholarship to attend the University of Utah, and um, yeah, it just worked financially. So it was random.
0: <laughs> and how did you? What did you do as a family? If not, did you do something? It looks like it kind of opened a door to, hey, this is where I want to be spending my time and and researching and helping the broader global community. Um, but how did you? How did you deal with being one of only two uh, 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 people or families of the Muslim faith in uh, in in that predominantly? Um, uh, 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 mormon society
2: i mean it's it's just you survive right you you're put in a situation and you try and do everything you can to cope you know just you know i what i did was i was just a very curious observer i would watch people and see who had benefits and how they got you know were liked and then I couldn't communicate, so that kind of just, you know, and that works in my journalism because I end up observing people all the time.
3: <laughs> so it's
2: just like, so, you know, those moments seeing inequality and feeling like an outsider being a motivating force.
0: And for listeners out there uh, curious as to what the background noise is, you're reporting live on location. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're, at, you're at a cafe, I, I take it.
2: Yeah, I'm in Port Jefferson, New York, Long Island, of all places, outside of a coffee shop, not a conflict zone. So.
0: <laughs> well, it depends on how you look at it. Okay, so um, <laughs> you, you've done, I want to read a quote from uh, a, a report that you've done, you did on um, uh, Vice News and, 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 and talk uh, talk listeners through. You went to UCLA and then uh, Columbia uh, School of Journalism, and from there you've you, you've really kind of tapped into um, tapped into a a, a, a nice um, a, a chapter in your life, whereas. Whereas I believe you're 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 now working with PBS and, and, and Al Jazeera and, and maybe in the past and CNN, but but let's get let's get down to exactly what you've been looking at because these are these are these are highly and incredibly sensitive and very important uh, uh, topics of discussion globally, and 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 you've you've really gotten in there and, and tackled it. So so Bangladesh, the quote is from Vice News, uh, and, and it may have been a few years that you've done this, but the quote is Bangladesh has a troubling history of rape, and again this might be sensitive for some listeners, but more than two hundred thousand. Bengali, that's 200,000 Bengali women were raped during the country's liberation war, back in 1971, and to this day, that's, to this day, whenever you did this, uh, this segment, but to this day recently, many of the victims are afraid to tell their stories because of the social stigma they faced after the war talk us through what that was like and, and what you think these women are living
2: Um, it's It's a daily thing. I think a lot of stories, I mean, living there, I was living on the ground for four years, five years. And I had, every time I picked up a local paper, I was reading about some horrific incident of rape or sexual assault happening to a young girl woman. Actually, recently there has been a a case, um, a girl called Nusra Jahan Rafi, who was burnt to death for reporting on sexual harassment at her local school. Um, it's horrific, and it's happening all the time. And that's why I was propelled to, to do this documentary on gang rape in Bangladesh. Um, and I actually visited the hardest-hit area where they're happening all the time. And I interviewed a survivor of gang rape, gang rapists, who admit to me wow. about how they did it. And why I interviewed religious authorities who say who said to me it was the women's fault for dressing inappropriately wow. I interviewed a police in charge of that town who denies it happening in the first place despite the fact that I had found gang rapists talking about how prevalent it is and how their group of men doing it all the time um, it's disheartening, and I think the only way you can tackle an issue like that is by exposing it for what it is, and that's why I did that story.
0: What's what's been what's been some of the um, traction that you've been able to gain internationally? I I, I think that uh, certainly in the home front in the United States we're, we're struggling with this the same thing. Maybe uh, obviously, and, and certainly not to the extent that, that that's happening in Bangladesh, but but um, but. Uh, again, the yeah, the, it's
2: pretty bad here too. It's bad here too.
0: Talk about that for a second. Go, go. Yeah, sure. just talk about it for the for a minute.
2: I mean, I think the struggle is different. There are things happening here. Um, I mean, if you look at the cultures, it's an entirely different. Bangladesh is a Muslim majority country, and America is a totally different ball game. But it's you know, the sexual exploitation of women is happening. In fact, I did a story for Vice on uh, the sugar baby industry. Where I look into the black market of sugar babies, and um, I go undercover as a sugar baby myself, and I see firsthand what it's like. And it's it's a gray area that world. You think you're stepping into this luxurious dream of having a sugar daddy, and there are a lot of things that happen to young women and girls who are just trying to pay off their college loans or debt, and they think they're setting themselves up for a life of dreams, and and. These
0: horrific things happen to them. Wow, that's that speaks that speaks volume, uh, volume. hopefully uh, it does to me, and hopefully to to listeners. Yeah. Um, uh, Tanya, we've 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 got to wrap up because we've got to make time for for John Barber. But um, and he's actually calling the studio right now. But but I want to give you a, a few more moments to a uh, tell listeners what they can expect from you right now, what what you're currently working on, and then b what what you see is the best way. Uh, what's the best foot forward for America in regards to women's rights? So if you can just kind of answer those two things.
2: Well, those are great questions. Well, right now I'm wrapping up two stories, one for Al Jazeera English, on um, the elephant endangered elephant migration crisis um, happening within the refugee camps on the Myanmar and Bangladesh border. Um, it, it's it's uh, on a series called Earthrise on Al Jazeera, where it will air. And I'm also working on another report for PBS NewsHour, which will soon air. <laughs> I can't reveal what that story is about yet, but it is also regarding the, the refugees, the Rohingya refugees. And um, what was the second question about women?
0: What's the what's the best foot forward uh, for, for America in regards to women's uh, rights?
2: Oh, my gosh, that's such a loaded question. Um, I don't know. I think with this uh, Me Too movement, And women stepping forward and speaking up against sexual violence and things happening to them is a great step forward. And um, it has been heading in a a good direction, and I hope it continues.
0: Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Tanya Rashid. Uh, Tanya, thanks for joining the program. Looking forward to uh, bringing you back on in the future. Thank you for everything that you do.
2: Thank you for having me. Thanks so much.
0: Tanya Rashid and uh, folks uh we've got John Barber here um and I will be bringing him on to program uh in just a, a few moments uh so um hang tight and we'll be right back with John Barber <laughs> I am back. We have online with us uh, John Barber. John, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I am. Fantastic. You're calling in from – well, I've just – you are are in – you are a pioneer of – let listeners listeners just understand this for the most part – reality tv as we know it and how it's evolved in media and on television uh, and radio and film uh, essentially that started with 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 today's guest john johns won 5 emmys for for his distinguished work throughout his career uh john tell us a little bit about real people
4: well real people uh got a- <laughs> Ian, like all the fantastic and wonderful things that have happened to me in my life, they all happened by accident. All the disasters were really well planned. Real (laughs) People happened to be the very first reality show. I created it in uh, 1978, and I originally had it with ABC, and I wanted my co-host at the time uh, to be Richard Pryor. And the head of ABC said that bum is never getting on this network. Now, at the time, it might have been okay to call Richie a bum because he was in uh, he was in county jail for punching out an executive at NBC who edited out one of his favorite skits from one of his specials. (laughs) And then the IRS was waiting to arrest them for income tax evasion. But I told the. I told the, the executive, I said, this guy can put thousands of bums in seats <laughs> in, in auditoriums and he's going to be a major star and I think he'd be wonderful in this show. So they passed on it and of course about five years later, Richie was the highest paid actor in the entire world. So after they passed on it, I was 46 years of age and I had given up any hopes of ever becoming the star that I wanted to be. I had become, I don't know, Ian, if you're old enough to remember a guy named Jack Parr. No. Jack Parr was by far the greatest, the most entertaining, the most articulate, the most lovable host of The Tonight Show. I mean, he was head and shoulders over Carson and and Leno and all of the rest of them. And I was this poor kid I came from a, a, a severely dysfunctional family in Toronto long before it was popular. Uh, my father, in 1969, uh, ran off, uh, joined the Canadian Army to run off to the peace and quiet of World War II. My un- uncle showed up in my house like grapes. They came in bunches. So I was a kid out on the street when I was six years of age. I was arrested wow. numerous times when I was 16. I dropped out of school when I was 16. I came to the United States at 17 to be a professional gambler. And I was deported twice from the United States. <laughs> so with that background, you wonder how on earth did this kid end up changing the face of American television by creating the most popular show in the history of the medium, which was real people, how did he ever become the private writer to uh, America's most powerful entertainer, Frank Sinatra? And then on his deathbed, Jim Garrison, the DA who was portrayed by Kevin Costner and JFK, on his deathbed, told me to tell his story over Oliver Stone about his investigation into the murder of John Kennedy, which I did in two of the best documentaries ever made about that case. So now I, am, I became a stand-up comic only because I loved Jack Parr. And I was extremely successful. I was Bob Goulet's opening act here in Vegas, Bobby Darren's opening act. I was on The Tonight Show with Sinatra. I was on a bunch of the Dean Martin shows. Do you remember Merv Griffin?
0: Uh, well, I, I certainly recognize the name. Well, Merv Griffin,
4: uh, probably a lot younger than I realized, Merv Griffin had the most popular talk show on television next to Johnny Carson. He had a nighttime version of the old Mike Douglas show. And when Merv Griffin uh, left Westinghouse to go to CBS, he had signed me as his replacement to take over that show. So in any event, these things all sort of accidentally fell apart as they do. And when I was 46 years of age, I'd won five Emmys, only person in television to win Emmys for both news and entertainment. And I had decided I don't want to be a star anymore. My son was 10 years of age, a son that I had never wanted, only born by accident, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Because with drunks in my background, I didn't know what kind of father I was going to be. And I... I decided I was going to totally quit the business. And uh, I had an interview with Maury Gelman at Daily Variety, told him I really felt bad about that because I felt I could change the face of American television with what I call the entertainment of reality, which turned out to be the show. Anyway, I quit. And I go into my little house in Toluca Lake. Two hours later, I get a phone call. And the next day, accidentally, I had the first real people show on NBC, the first of four specials. Unbelievable, absolutely and totally unbelievable.
0: So, John, walk us through that. You, you, you were known for interviewing Cesar Chavez, Muhammad Ali, uh, with with a radio program that you you had uh, hosted there in LA, and you were you were pushing the envelope, the war you know you're you're well you were not pushing the war envelope but you were pushing against against that that at the time and so that was that was kind of fringe for you it, which, what led you up to and and by the way, let me just insert this as you are telling me about a, a, a kid that's uh I am not sure it sounded like maybe you were orphaned at the age of six you'd you'd, you'd left your house or it, you, you 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 sound to me like a Babe Ruth of 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 of, of media of holiday uh, Hollywood but walk us through you know saying hey wait a second what was it that caught your eye at forty six you say having won five Emmys you are ready to kind of say that's enough let me concentrate on this kid that I got but you said wait. There's a need. It sounds like you're saying there's a need. Uh, there's a need in American media. Would that be Would that be accurate? Did you Did you identify a need by, by well, the lead up to real people?
4: Well, let me tell you. Uh, my book, my my autobiography, my book. And I hate to say this, Ian, but I was for ten years the film critic of Los Angeles Magazine. For five years, the uh, media critic on NBC, and I was the first one in America to review movies on television. Now they're as common as as Weather Girls. And my my autobiography is called Your Mother's Not a Virgin, the bumpy life and times of the Canadian dropout who changed the face of American television. Now I'm glad you mentioned these interviews that I did. I originated the first news morning program on ABC in LA. It was called AMLA. And I booked people like Muhammad Ali. Now, right today, everybody considers that Muhammad Ali one of America's greatest heroes. That was not the case in 1970. 95 percent of all Americans want him hung from a tree or put in prison for treason because he wouldn't go to Vietnam and fight yellow people. He said white people were his problem, not yellow people, and also. Jane Fonda, who risked her career becoming known as Hanoi Jane, I was giving people like this a voice. And I'm going to tell you quite accidentally how I came up with the title and got involved with Jim Garrison. Again, another accident. I got the show in 1970. Jim Garrison had arrested Clay Shaw, a New Orleans businessman, for conspiracy in the murder of John Kennedy because he was the handler for the CIA of Lee Harvey Oswald, all now proven in documents which are in my film. In any event, like everybody else in America, I believe the Warren Report. I don't think the government would ever lie to me. Besides, I came to this country loving America because I saw these Frank Capra movies with Jimmy Stewart. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So even though I was a successful comic, In those days, when John Kennedy was killed, a company could only own five television stations or radio stations. The worst president in history, Bill Clinton, in 1996, signed the Communications Act, which turned 95% of all our media over to six major corporations that are monopolies and they should be disbanded like AT&T was. Anyway, when Garrison arrested, Clay Shaw in 67 and said the CIA murdered our president and I'll prove it in court. He was poo pooed by the government and all the media and all my friends, but I'm a street kid. And I said, Hold it. You know, for two years they've been in this guy's way saying he's a nut. Well, if he's a nut, let him get into court and fall on his face. But they pr- tried to prevent him from getting in there. Now, here it is Serendipity, January ninth, 1969. My son's birthday. Garrison finally gets Clay Shy into the court and he loses a conspiracy case. So the world thinks, well, Garrison was wrong. But he wasn't wrong because he didn't lose. He didn't care about the conspiracy case, Ian. He wanted the perjury case because he knew he could nail him in the perjury case and the government stepped in and stopped the trial. So anyway, it's over with. And I'm a kid just struggling to get along in show business. I'm in a bookstore one day, and there's a book called Heritage of Stone, written by this guy, Jim Garrison. And I read stuff I don't hear about in the media. He had to take time, life to the Supreme Court to get the Zabruder film to show a jury. And there was a doctor named Finch who was called as a defense witness by Clay Shaw's attorney who testified under oath that they never performed an autopsy. They weren't even allowed to look at pictures. They weren't allowed to look at x-rays or photographs. And if you look at the Warren Report, you will find no pictures of the autopsy. You see cartoon drawings of a bullet going through the back of the president's head. I mean, it looks like Mad Magazine just signed the Warren Report. So I called Mr. Garrison, and I said, I'm hosting the number one show in California And I've just read your book and he laughed, Ian. He said, oh, you must be the other one. I only sold two copies. (laughs) So I said, I want to book you on the show. And he said, you'll never get away with it. I said, I've just won an Emmy. I'm telling you, we're more popular than the Today Show. So he agreed to be on the show. And then he said to me, he said, John, it's 1970, seven years after they murdered our only peace president. That's how I always called Kennedy, our only peace president. And he said, you know that 81% of all people do not believe the Warren report or even that Oswald did it or acted alone. And I said, well, Mr. Garrison, if everybody feels that way, why isn't there more noise made about it? He said, well, the second question was they asked people, and what does this say about us as American citizens? They asked, how do you feel about having another full investigation in which the FBI and the CIA are investigated? He said only 23% said they'd want an investigation like that. He says, what does that say to you? And he and I said, I don't know where it came from. I said, Mr. Garrison. It says to me, I know what my mother and father did on the pool table or in the rumble seat or in the bedroom You couldn't see me, but don't ever tell me my mother's not a virgin. And he howled. He said, that sounds like Mark Twain who said, it's easier to fool people than than to convince them that they have been fooled. And John, we've been fooled since November 22nd, 1963. The very next day, Ian, I was fired and he was canceled. But I must tell you, I never thought it had anything to do with conspiracies and the government. I thought it was show business. You don't have a job for more than 13 weeks or 26 weeks in show business. And after that, I became a film critic at another station. Tom Brokaw saw me and brought me to NBC, where I was at NBC for five years. and uh, and And that was it. But then in... I quit. I asked for a raise. I was responsible for 15 percent of all the viewership at NBC, even though I was only on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, two minutes a night, and they wouldn't give me a $50 raise. So I quit, and nobody wanted me. Nobody would hire me because there was this renegade who tried to get Jim Garrison on yep. the air, yep. and I was a, a severely, I was a severely criticized critic i i can't tell you the number of times that they wanted me to they wanted me fired. I never signed a contract with n b c because they would own my material and I was fired three times but they brought me back because i was uh, i was so popular
3: yeah. you wanna,
4: do you want to do you want have you ever heard of the fairness doctrine sure it no longer exists and the reason it no longer exists because Jim garrison caught n b c in the, in the person of Walter Sheridan, a producer at NBC, assigned by the CIA, the FBI, and NBC to go to New Orleans to destroy Jim Garrison's case by getting his major witness, Perry Raymond Russo, a job in California out of his jurisdiction. Well, Garrison wired Perry Raymond Russo. So there were criminal charges brought against NBC, and he had to get equal time. And they gave him equal time, and he's looking into the camera, and he's telling America, the government of the United States, and the person the CIA murdered our president. Well, the people that own the country say, "Hold it, we can't have this kind of truth floating around." And that was the last of the fairness doctrine. Can I tell you how powerful the fairness doctrine was?
0: Yeah, I think you, I think you're alluding to it. Yeah.
4: Okay. If you were a writer or if you were a movie producer and somebody hammered you so hard and you felt it was unfair, you could appeal to the newspaper or the radio station or television station. Excellent. Ask for equal time. It happened in my case. Do you remember a movie called Soil Green? No. Well, it was a dreadful movie where humans are eating humans. It have been turned into crackers, <laughs> <It stars laughs> Charles Weston. It was just a, a god-awful movie. Anyway, <laughs> I was just tearing the film apart. And at one point, I, I said to the audience, you know, these people that make this movie don't know that it's going to be a dreadful movie. They're talented, well-meaning people. This one, maybe I can think of something nice to say. It. So I said, you know, I must say the sets are beautiful. Then I caught myself, and I said, but they'd be more beautiful if they'd been placed in front of Charlton Heston and the rest of the actors. (laughs) So, So anyway, the guy calls NBC, 20th Century Fox, threatens to cancel all ads. They want equal time, and Bob Howard, the general manager, says, no, you don't get it. They took it to the California Supreme Court, and they said, no, you don't get it. I'm the only person, the only critic in the history of America, ever to have the Supreme Court rule on a review, and they turned the producer down by saying John Barber's reviews were of absolutely no public importance. So, oh my goodness! There oh. You, but that's how powerful the fairness doctrine was. You know, in those days, you could not have an. Uh, Uh, Hannity or Riley or Rush Limbaugh on the air because you if you did you would then have to have a liberal Uh so everything was in those days there was decent conversations between both sides I mean I I saw when Jack Pop put on the air Gore Vidal the most brilliant liberal wit in America against uh, William Buckley, who was the most brilliant conservative wit in America. And it was brilliant, brilliant television. It was informing television. It, it does not exist anymore. Now, let me like, get back to real people. I was dubbed the godfather of reality television for creating that show. Uh, the critic was Gary Deed with the Chicago Tribune. He said of television television is the only business in America where competition does not improve the product. So now I am extremely proud of what I did in that show. We were getting a 50 share. That meant half of all Americans were watching that show more than ever watched I Love Lucy wow. or wow, or Sanford and Son. I mean, just, a, and we were getting 20 2,000 pieces of mail a week. And I lost that show because I, in 1980, I tried to tell Jim Garrison's story as a real people story. Uh-huh. And then again, I was fired wow. by NBC. And I was, I was literally absolutely out of the business at that time.
0: Wow. That's, that's bold. Uh, John, uh, if you are able to identify... One thing, I, there's a link here between 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 uh, your knowledge of and your conversations with 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 Garrison uh, and the JFK assassination to you developing real people. If you were to pinpoint it, what would you say? What is that connection?
4: Well, you know, uh, I, I must tell you, as my I can when I was a kid. Ian, I either spent my time in a hockey rink or in a a library or a movie theater. Oh, and
0: and by the way, as a Canadian, for listeners, as a Canadian, you are familiar with the name Trottier. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Trottier
4: played for the, I think they won Stanley Cups three or four years in a row, as the New York Islanders, an absolutely outstanding hockey player. Myself and an actor named Bo Swenson, who was a star of Walking Tall, and uh, and uh, he and I created the celebrity hockey team, which is still going strong in Hollywood. So there you go.
0: That's awesome. All right. So so okay. So back back to um, back to the lead up to real people and, and, and what really what really kind of drove you to creating that and and, and to connecting it to, uh, to connect to, to connecting it to the um, uh, the the, the, the cover ups. And I'll say because it, cause it oh, certainly sounds well, like. I, it. Go
4: ahead. That that's a great question. The reason I I loved Jack Parr is because I when I looked at television, it was the first time I ever saw people talking to one another, having conversations, and there were conversations between real people. Because he and I thought you either punch somebody or you yelled at somebody. I thought, oh my god, you can earn a living talking to somebody. So when I was the critic at N- N- NBC. I began to discover that actors and actresses were not really interesting. If they did not have writers, they had nothing to say and nothing to do. The writer is absolutely everything. And I remember they had these teletype machines. I sat next to the teletype machines which supplied the stories. And often a story would come over a teletype machine and, and it would say, not for public broadcast." And I started to look at these stories. And the first one I saw was one called The Stripper for God. There was this girl stripper in New York, this unbelievably gorgeous brunette, almost six feet tall, with a figure like you had never seen in your life. And she said that God endowed her with this figure. And God gave her this figure so that men could look at it and enjoy it. So what she was going to do, she was going to call herself a stripper for God and tithe her church and give 10% of everything she got to her church, which she did. So these were the kind of stories that I started to gather because I felt, my gosh, they're so much more interesting than any stories about actors, for crying out loud. And that's how it started. And I gathered dozens and dozens of them. And Ray Stark, do you know the name Ray Stark? No. Ray Stark was the most successful movie producer in Hollywood. Funny Girl, uh, The Way We Were. You remember those films?
0: I'm not familiar with those, John. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. I'm not. I'm not familiar oh. with it. <laughs> and The Way
4: We Were with Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand. Those are two names. I that mean, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you must be a kid for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> in, in any event. Ray Stark was so enamored of my work as a writer, he wanted to work with me, and I said, and wanted me to write an original movie script, and was going to pay me fifty thousand dollars. And I said, no, I don't want to be a, write a movie script. I want to do television with real people because television is the umbilical cord that binds Americans together. It brings, it can bring change and in information. Yep and entertainment into our living room and uh he sadly passed on it because his agents only wanted him to to make uh movies so nobody could see how it would work and i must say it only happened by accident and if you want to know how the accident came about and you have time i'd be happy to tell you
0: now uh, outside of real people uh, you you also did you produce Sanford and Son
4: uh, no, uh, uh, at San, uh, Sanford and Son, I was the very first person to put Red Fox on entertainment television, which resulted in Sanford and Son. And guess why I did that, Ian? I, I don't know. Because when I started as a comic, my wife was a band singer with a gra- the greatest jazz pianist in wow. in 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 the world. And she was friends with Dick Gregory, and she was friends with uh, Red Fox, who was making a living doing party records. And I was just starting as a comic, and she introduced me to Red Fox. Red Fox became my mentor. And till the day I died, he went, and I knew a, a lot, all of them in show business, all of them who were friends for a while, but Red Fox was the only one who was a lifetime friend to me and sadly success went to his nose and and killed him but i put him on the air when i got my first entertainment show and that led to sanford and son and do you know that his real name is sanford
0: oh cool i didn't know that his
4: real name is john sanford and he called himself fred because his brother died and he wanted to memorialize his brother by calling himself fred sanford
0: Love it. Now, now uh, uh, John, in your book, you, you talk about Ernie Kovacs quite a bit, and maybe you want to mention uh, a little bit about him to listeners, but also I want you to um, hone down a little bit on uh, Project Mockingbird because you, you also mentioned Project Mockingbird. Uh, oh, my God.
4: You are just so good. You're so well-informed. Anyway, Project Mockingbird. Jim Garrison was so smart. When he arrested Clay Shaw and was going to arrest David Ferry, uh, he also researched the history of the Central Intelligence Agency. And the Central Intelligence Agency, he said there was no need to have that intelligence agency when we had 15 others. He said the purpose of it was to create a change in foreign policy in the United States to create perpetual fake wars, which we are fighting to this day. And he said, and it began with the Cold War. He said the Russians were no threat. We lost 25 million people. Anyway, what they did is the central intelligence agency created a program called Mo- Project Mockingbird in the 50s under the aegis of Alan Dulles. They had to, of the uh, CIA, they infiltrated every major newspaper and television and radio station in America, the Washington Post, the New York Times, Reader's Digest. And in the film, you see Richard Helms, the head of the Central Intelligence Agency, in 1970 being questioned by Senator Church, who was investigating the CIA's takeover of the media, And Richard Helms admits they have 400 people writing the news for all these major newspapers. And that's why we had the fake Cold War with Russia. We had the fake Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which created the war in Vietnam, the war that John Kennedy was murdered over. Because 38 days before he was murdered in the film, you see him talking to uh, the Walter cronkite uncle Walter, the voice of America, and telling him there will be no Americans fighting in Vietnam. There are twelve hundred advisors there now we're going to we're twelve thousand we're going to take out a thousand a month. There will be no war there. He also said there will be no military invention in Cuba. well, the c i a wanted Cuba they wanted Castro out. They wanted Vietnam for their raw materials, not to defeat communism. And that's why they murdered John Kennedy. And to this day, we are being constantly misinformed by what Donald Trump pointed out was fake news. You saw what happened in Iraq. You had millions of Americans marching the streets of this country, protesting what they knew was fake. There were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Iraq had nothing to do with nine one one. And then you had the New York Times in the person of this Miss Miller trumpeting the lies of George Bush saying we're going in there to get these weapons of mass destruction. Now you can imagine how much control the CIA must have over every aspect of the United States today when we are fighting non-existent terrorists. You can't fight terrorists because they have no country. You can only invade a country. You can invade Iraq, you can invade Afghanistan, you can invade Vietnam. And now they're talking about this nonsense with Iran and Venezuela. How come it's the two greatest countries in the world with the most oil? And the reason they're going after these countries, you've got to follow the money. They do not want Venezuela or Iran to produce oil, which could be sold at lower prices than the oil that is owned by Americans and Arabs. It's not complicated. Those two countries are not as much of a threat to us as is Catalina, for crying out loud. <laughs>
0: and 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 i think uh, uh didn't 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 uh, general patton he had some sort of an association to catalina island um john john yeah. no no go ahead uh, whatever we'll y- Former former guest on this program, Daniel Leslin, he's written a, 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 an interesting book on 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 societies such as the Bilderberg Group and that sort of thing. Well, what, what caught my attention with Daniel uh, is that his book has been banned in the UK, and there's only one publisher, very small publisher, out of the state of Oregon that that, that picked up his his book. Yet his he, he sold seven million copies uh, worldwide and and won numerous awards internationally for his book. So so that kind of caught my eye. Hey, we're speaking English language, yeah. You know, and 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 so you know we we we, we 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 tout ourselves as being a free society. So as from a Canadian from a Canadian standpoint, and by the way, for listeners to understand, your documentary in nineteen ninety one on on on, uh, on 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 District Attorney Garrison uh, won the San Sebastian Film Festival award in in Spain. But as a Canadian. How do you see? How do you see America? How do you see America in regards? You, you've you've mentioned quite a few things as far as really what it is is is, is censorship and and and, and 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 clamping down on how information is is passed and sifted through to get down to the common people. Um, and 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 it should be opening. Anybody listening to this it should be opening your eyes. Just how how. In my view, and I'm going to ask you for your view, just how threatening this really is for uh, the American way of life. But, 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 John, take a moment, if you will, and tell listeners what's the best foot forward. And, and I'm not sure that we spoke about Ernie Kovacs, so maybe you can you can talk a little bit about him. But what's the best foot forward for um, for Americans in this regard?
4: You know, uh, you're to be complimented on your interest and knowledge about this. You know, I think the final nail in the coffin of free speech in the First Amendment in this country happened with the illegal arrest of Julian Assange. In the documentary, uh, the second one, is called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It has been described by the experts who know all this as the most definitive truth-telling film about the murder of John Kennedy. It names the people. Jim Garrison didn't care about anybody pulling a, a trigger and shooting a rifle. He had no interest in that. He wanted the planners. The planners are named and shown in the film. And and one other thing, you know, every, everybody uh, in the government who was criticizing the best book ever written about how uh, what a piece of fiction the Warren Report was was uh, Mark Lane's Rush to Judgment. Well, you mentioned that this small publisher who published this book you mentioned which sold 7 million copies around the world. Mark Lane did not get to publish Rush to Judgment in the United States. It was published in England uh, with the help of Bertrand Russell, and he only got $1,500. But it became such a monster hit, they had to sell it in the United States. There is no longer any freedom of speech in the United States. There is no longer any Bill of Rights in the United States. Now there are small pockets of free press like your show and what it is that I do and what thousands of others are are trying to do. That's only because their audience is small. That's the only reason it still exists, because it doesn't change anything. Look at look at Mark Twain said it a hundred years ago. He said if voting made a difference, they wouldn't let us do it. <laughs> I mean, well that's said. genius. That is and total well genius. Said. But you see, for me, I have an intense love for this country because I am still in love with the country that I became a citizen of. I became, a, and you know, you, you talk about reality television. I do not take any bows any longer for being the godfather of reality television because, you know, with real people, what we did, you know that Vietnam Memorial wall that's in Washington, D.C.? Sure, sure. We got it built. And uh, the Navajo Code Talkers, we got a presidential citation for them. You've heard of John Walsh? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, well, his son Adam was kidnapped and beheaded from a mall in Florida. And he was running around the country trying to find the killer of his sons and trying to get the FBI and the local police to coordinate, and they refused to do so. I saw him on Phil Donahue's show and on the morning show, so I went to the owner of Real People. I said, I'm going to tell his story. And he said to me, but everybody's heard it, and it doesn't mean anything. And I said, have you ever heard of the jumping frog of Calaveras County. He said, yeah, that's a story that made Mark Twain famous. I said, well, how many times do you think it was in the paper before he wrote it? It was 11 times in the paper. It's not always the story. It's the storyteller. I'm going to tell John's story. And 60 days after we told it, they passed the Missing Children's Act. And I got this beautiful letter from John thanking us. Now, that was the power of that show. But today... Now, when I got into television, Ian, you had to have a modicum of talent, you had to have a modicum of intelligence or maybe personality or likability. Today, that is a detriment that would keep you out of television. Do you know that the only thing you need to be a reality star today is a lack of shame? And you have people, housewives of Oregon yeah, or Philadelphia, so. or what you, Kardashians, you have people coming into your living room on a tube that you wouldn't open your front door to. Right. Yeah. It's an embarrassment. Um, American culture is an absolutely and totally unbelievably drainless swamp. And I must tell you, it would be very simple. Have you ever heard of Executive Order 11110? Uh,
0: I do believe I have.
4: Okay, well, it's, it's in the the movie, The American Media and the Second Assassination, John F. Kennedy. In 1962, uh, if you uh, had a farm and it burned down and you wanted to borrow the money, the interest that you'd have to pay to the Federal Reserve was 21%. John Kennedy thought that's illegal. We have a constitution and the constitution calls for the printing of money by the treasury. So he signed executive order one, 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 zero, uh, which would make, uh, money redeemable in silver at the treasury. And if you had a farm that burned down, all you had to pay back was one or one and a half percent in essence, the federal reserve is owned by five or six private families. The money that you pay in income tax has nothing to do with roads or the army or anything. It's the interest that we pay to these six families for borrowing money to fight these perpetual fake wars. It's all a scam. Now, had John Kennedy lived, the Federal Reserve would have been out of business because of that executive order. But when he died at 1 o'clock... With a gunshot wounded the temple, and I saw the death certificate. Mm. Jim Garrison showed me Dr. McClellan's death certificate. The printing presses stopped. Now, that executive order is still extant. Somebody could execute it. Now, let's get around to President Trump, who was the one, in a strange way, who inspired me to do part two because he kept talking about fake news. And he sounded like Jim Garrison. So that's why I went back to these tapes and decided to do this magnificent uh, movie because of Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump has talked about fake news ever since he ran. He's been he's uh, going to run in in 2020 and probably win will win in a landslide because the Democratic candidates look like the waiting list at Forest Lawn. I mean, it's just an absolute, an absolute embarrassment. But. If he wanted to make America great again, it's simple. He doesn't have to use a gun. He uses his pen and signs an executive order, which reverses Bill Clinton's Communications Act and puts back in the hands when John Kennedy was killed, 1,500 different Americans owned radio and television stations. These are monopolies. All he has to do right. is reverse it. And, and then Americans can be informed once again. We are not informed purposely.
0: Absolutely well said, John. Incredibly well said. And if the connection hasn't been made for listeners, I, 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 you mentioned five or six, and that's the that, and that's kind of the question as is, right? The Federal Reserve opened up the books. Who makes up the Federal Reserve? Who owns those shares? But I think you've you've alluded to the connection, which is. Uh, which is overturning that uh, that that Media Act signed in signed in signed in the law by uh, by Bill Clinton? Uh,
4: yeah, because th- th- Thomas Jefferson and John Kennedy said you cannot have a functioning democracy unless you have an informed electorate. We are we are misinformed. Do you know a hundred years ago Mark Twain said, "If you don't read American newspapers, you're uninformed. But if you do, you're misinformed." <laughs>
0: A hundred years ago, things have not changed.
4: They have gotten worse. Yeah, I mean because you know I must tell you when I when I was getting into television and wanting to get into television in the fifties and sixties, I could name fifty people on television whom I admired and applauded. They were all kinds. Of, they were religious or non-religious. Uh, they were Democrats. They were. Uh, uh, atheists, they were Republicans, They they were radicals, but they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I could name dozens and dozens of them. I cannot name one person in America today at a national level on television or in government whom I admire at all. Wow. And you think of one.
0: Yeah, well, there's. <laughs> I, I, I'm completely disgusted with the entire system, John. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's. I, I do, I do my program every Wednesday to try to motivate people to start talking and standing up, just like I'm doing, because we're in a downward spiral, and, and I won't go down without without raising my voice. That's for sure.
4: Well, I must I must tell you. Here's what I would say suggest to you. Audience, because you will absolutely enjoy. It. You know that uh, Donald Trump. Uh, 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 they were supposed to release last October all the CIA files about the murder of right. John Kennedy, right. and and Trump folded to the CIA and said it's uh, on that question of national security. Now I don't know what how a 55 year old murder can affect national security, but the truth is they don't want to release. It's not the CIA files. The CIA has no files that say this is how we kill the son of a bitch, because they talk in code. What it is that they do not want released are Jim Garrison's files. There are 67 boxes of them with the CIA that name the names. I have those 67 boxes, and I have started to release them, and I'm releasing the fourth one this next weekend. First there was Shaw, then there was oswald and then, and then and and then Ferry, because I think that the final arbiter of what happened on november twenty second nineteen sixty three should be in the hands of the American public. They should be the judge and the jury as to whether or not Jim Garrison actually solved that case. I say he solved the case, but that's that's just me. So I would suggest if you go to my site www dot johnbarbersworld.com. You can see the first Garrison Tapes movie for nothing, the movie that you suggested. You will find a a link to the second one, which only costs $2 on Amazon. It's a runaway hit. And then also, I must tell you, one of the greatest books you'll ever read if you're interested in reading is my autobiography, Your Mother's Not a Virgin. It's the most wonderful Canadian rags to American riches story. If you're interested in the media, a must read. If you're interested in the history of this country, a must read. But most of all, if you're losing faith and you're having a tough time, this is a must read for you because nobody had it as tough as I did. And look at how wonderfully it all turned out. It was it was though there was divine intervention, Ian, and I don't believe that, but I have to, I'm a witness to it.
0: Uh, John, are you familiar by chance? As we close out, are you familiar by chance with the work of Dorothy Kilgallen?
4: Yes, yeah, she's mentioned very prominently in the book. Uh, Dorothy Kilgallen was an excellent crime reporter, actually, as well as being a a Broadway columnist and and a star on What's What's My Line. She happened to begin to have doubts about the Kennedy killing. And so she got herself the only interview, private interview, with Jack Ruby. And she got it because Ruby begged Gerald Ford and Earl Warren to protect him and take him to Washington where he wouldn't be shot if he told the story. And they turned him down. So she got this private interview with him. And she began to put together a folder, which she carried around everywhere. And she said, I am going to break this case wide open. And along comes, now she's not a very attractive woman, probably in her late 40s. Along comes this young, good-looking guy named Ron Pataki. And a couple of weeks later, she's found poisoned. Ron Pataki is still alive. Yeah. And if you know, there are a lot of people to question. And now they never found her folder. She had given a copy to her assistant. The assistant was murdered, and they never found the folder that she had either. John, it's all in the film. Uh,
0: former uh, former uh, legal analyst for uh, a couple networks: uh, CNN, ESPN. Uh, 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 Mark Shaw, based out of uh, San Francisco, has written a couple books on this. Uh, yes, I,
4: ha- I had Mark on my show a year ago. It's an excellent book. It's a great book, but he thought it was going to get the case reopened. They're yeah. never going to look into the murder of John Kennedy, ever, because that's the linchpin. That's it. It is easier to prove that Sirhan did not shoot Robert than it is to prove that Oswald didn't shoot John. Yeah. And that's all in the movie. The autopsy of Dr. Thomas Noguchi shows that the bullet that killed Bobby was shot an inch and a half from the back of his head. And uh, Sirhan was in front six feet shooting blanks. And the reason he was shooting blanks, the two hired CIA killers were behind Bobby, and they could have been killed if Sirhan had firing real bullets. It's all very simple and obvious.
0: Yeah, John. Some closing comments for for listeners to take away. Uh, you, you've directed them to to your website. Um, My mother's not a virgin. Uh, your latest your latest book. Um, some parting words for okay. Uh, our listeners. This is all I can
4: say. If the United States government tells you the sun
0: is shining, by an <laughs> umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, five-time Emmy Award winner, the only person to win awards for his news and his television, Mr. John Barber. John, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join Winwood Radio in Discussions of Truth.
4: Well, Ian, thank you very, very much, and I'm really tickled to death to know that there's still people like you in America.
0: Thank you very much John. Have a great great day. You too. Bye-bye Ian. John Barber, he's a we just uh, uh, that's a, uh, just an incredible treat that uh that the program um the program has, has received and 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 to have to have John do what he does is a treat for for for, for all of us. And uh, I'll, I mean, I'm going to take a uh, take a quick break. Some closing comments. I'll be right back.
3: Yeah,
1: and, um, yes, and again, I talked about the Art Walk. I'm so excited about that. Uh, that show, I'm going to have the Winwood It Girl. I love, love this woman, Jenny Perez. She's going to be my guest um, over at the Art Fair next Thursday. Remember, it's going to be 5 o'clock and not 6 o'clock. I'll be sure to remind you of that. And, um, you know, take it easy. Be good to you. Be good to your fellows. And uh, thank you again, Jarrett. This has been such a great show, man. Yeah, it's you're uh thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, awesome. I I really just love going deep with you here and hearing about what you do and to see your passion. Yeah and your love for what you're doing. And let me tell you, it's just going to get bigger and better, man. Yeah. Bigger oh. and better. You're going to be going all over the world with yeah. this stuff. Now we're I, talking. I, you, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> Can I come on next week? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and it, it's not. You know, this is just a small little thing, man. But this is what I feel for you. You know, Good. I feel that's for awesome. you. So yeah. I'm going to sign off and, and let Jared take us out with some of his uh, healing vibrations from his magic.
0: Yes, Metallica, Phantom Lord. There, Metallica is a hard rock, heavy metal band originating in Los Angeles, and uh, growing in fame, they moved to San Francisco. I, I, I hail from San Francisco. Cliff Burton, their bassist, died, but he was a San Francisco native, my understanding. Uh, died in the trip, uh, a, a trip, a tour trip in, in, in Europe. But, but uh, a, a lot of folks in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, hold Metallica dear to their hearts. I, I, I've mentioned on this program before, I remember sk- skateboarding uh, down Lombard Street in San Francisco uh, listening to, 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 to Metallica. I, choo- I choose to open my program with Metallica because, and that is with Seek and Destroy, that is exactly what I aim to do with this program, is seek out corruption on all levels. And and, and, and that last conversation there with uh, with John Barber, uh, that opens up uh, all sorts of volumes of, of, of various levels of corruption doesn't it doesn't it uh, listen to listen to those very in- incredibly extremely wise words w- why should he have any allegiance to the United States and the fact that that he was able to build a beautiful career in LA uh, 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 searching out real stories and and and, 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 and promoting uh, real people uh, the voices of thereof uh, but why should he have any allegiance to, to the United States, what it stands for? Uh, he's he's Canadian-born. So, so to have somebody like that, and to open up with Tanya Rashid, uh, who's, who's doing her work to, 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 uh, to, uh, to equalize uh, women uh, in the world, uh, very, 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 as we continue to be very, uh, very, very fortunate on this program discussion. So anyway, so seek out, destroy it, seek out corruption, and, and that's exactly it. To destroy it. Look, I I always talk about Ray McGovern, former CIA. He used to handwrite memos for Bush Senior. Okay, high ranking, very high ranking CIA uh, agent. Uh, Almost, almost, almost three decades, I believe it was, that he served uh, in the Central Intelligence Agency. And he says, he says, Ian, uh, 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 this medium, what I'm doing, what I'm doing here in discussions, that is the last frontier. And John alluded to it right there on this program because turning on your turn turning on turning on your mass uh, networks, your, your your CNN and your 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 NBC, your ABC, uh, CBS, uh, especially I mean not the not the not the uh, Harper on anyway Fox News, MSNBC, you're going to get a narrative that plays into a very small. Group of hands, and I say group of hands. The Federal Reserve, and then John alluded to it. The people behind that, you have, to ask que- you have to ask yourself a question. Are they censoring the way that you live your life? Yes, all the way down, all the way down to the way and what you put into your gas tank. Zika, and that's B-I-T dot L-Y, bit.ly slash Zika, capital Z-I-K-A, Miami Beach, capital M and B. There, you type that in your web browser, or just 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 Google my name, Honey Colony, and that will show you, and that will take you to exactly why I do what I do, because I found a parallel that is involvement with the Rockefeller Foundation, not only in the virus, the Zika virus, discovered in the 1940s in gone to force in Africa, the Zika virus, but also the pesticide used that's banned in Europe because it's a known neurotoxin, the pesticide that was sprayed here in Miami that's, 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 that, 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 that is used to combat mosquitoes carrying the Zika virus. Yes, the Rockefeller, Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation had majority interest in both of those. Now, today, that pesticide is manufactured by the Vanguard uh, company. But hey, hello, Daniel Estillen. I mentioned, mentioned that name with John. Daniel Estelin talked about the Bilderberg group and the vanguards that's a, that's a, that's yes that's linked to royal dutch shell petroleum has an interest in there so as we pollute our world not only are we polluting our world we're polluting the the way we receive our information that's our media if this resonates with you do something about it raise your voice just as i'm raising my voice make a change until next week and by the way, I mentioned at the beginning of the show next week will we'll be a doubleheader. And in studio with us, uh, we'll have uh, Doctor Doctor Otto von uh, Fangenblatt. He'll be joining us in studio to talk about the crisis in, in, in Venezuela. We'll be opening up with a special edition at three three a.m. Or excuse me, three p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time at three p.m. Uh, with uh, Harvard Smithsonian uh, scientist uh, Doctor Soon. And he'll be he'll be he'll be he'll be talking addressing some issues uh, that might get you thinking about various narratives on climate change. Why? Because you should be. You should be questioning your government. And if John's uh, words there resonate with you, if they're telling you one thing, you should be doing the other. So until next week at <laughs> three p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday, and that's Eastern Standard Time again. I have been your host of Discussion to Truth. This is Winwood Radio. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. I'm Ian Trottier. That is my name. Both handles. I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Be awesome.